you have your Bibles, you can take them where we are in Galatians, this amazing letter, and it's kind of a, a, a heavy week. Uh, Karen Robson passed away, and you know there's a funeral for her on Wednesday, and um, it was the FEMA alert time for cell phones. So I was really good. I got up and cooked up my cell phone and tell people, told people, you need to turn this off. And I pressed my side button to turn mine off too. And then we had this service. And at 11.20 from the podium, my phone started going. I knew it needed to go off. I knew even to press the button. But I don't know, this dumb tech Swanson guy, you know, to turn off your iPhone, you got to press two buttons, one on each side, not just the one button that brings up Siri or whatever. So Siri was sitting there listening while I was sitting there, but I didn't actually get my phone off. And because I hadn't connected the actual thing of what I needed to do with actually doing it and understanding what it, what it was to get the silly phone off. And so the embarrassed, humbled one was me, right? Like everyone else is like, well, we turned ours off. <laughs> oh, no. And how here we are in Galatians, you guys. And this amazing, incredible message that Paul writes to them. And it's, it's absolutely shockingly wonderful. Good news. News that Jesus has paid it all. That, that he has freed us and, and rescued us. And he did it by dying on a cross. And he's resurrected from the dead. And the relationship we have with God is because of this Jesus and trusting him. The gospel, the good news. We've learned that we're heirs and children simply by that trust and never by our own works and not by any sort of pleasing of God we do after receiving this good news, but it's only Him. And particularly the last two weeks, right, we thought about our freedom. Freedom from ourselves. Oh, freedom from the measuring and the, the bookkeeping that we, we continue to want to do. Our law-keeping and our shame and guilt and all the ways we evaluate and judge and try to determine how we're doing. And instead, Jesus has set us free. Don't go back, says Paul. In fact, really strong words for people who would say, go back. But here's the thing. As our eyes start to get open to that, say, this is the message of the Bible. This is the amazing message. Then in the midst of that comes this confusion of what does it actually mean? How do I actually turn the phone off again? And that's because almost on every corner there's evangelical churches that are not teaching this. Jesus' gospel. Instead, they're teaching that the Christian life is about personal transformation. And, and, and I want a transformed life, so I'd, how, how do I get my life transformed? And, and I have this message of the gospel, and I want a transformed life, so what, what does that look like? You know, How do I get to personal improvement? How do I live the victorious Christian life? Like, God gives me the power, and, and now I need to make the right choices. Would you give me the information? Because I always need more information about what to do. And we call that gospel. We said, no, it's not that. Well, then what is it, Dax? I get it a lot, right? You can say what it's not. you gotta, you, you got to get over here. But how? What is that? So that's what we get to do today. This is absolutely critical, what we're doing today. This is a doctrine and a thought that is so often thrown away in churches, and you may not even have thought it through, what it means, you and I. 
that we walk by the Spirit. Huge. The Holy Spirit, right? This is how it works. This is, this is not you and I needing to get it all together to make sure we're pleasing and doing and advancing, but, but this is what life actually looks like. This is what it means to be a Christian, this wonderful, assuring, hopeful truth. I'm so excited for you to grab hold of this today and see what, what the Bible says, not, not me, what the Bible says. Confidence that the Spirit is living and active and, and life-giving. And, and so that's what we're looking at, Galatians chapter 5. We're right in the middle. We're starting in verse 16. And if you have it, we're walking by the Spirit. Here we go. First, there's a, there's a conflict that, that Paul puts out there that he wants to make sure you understand, and it's, it's with the flesh. But I say, he says in verse 16, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, so the, the, the great danger is he's talked about our freedom, and you're free in Christ, but don't use your freedom to cut down other people because they've got the Spirit too. Then he goes right into, you know what? Walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The great danger, the great badness, is that you would be gratifying the desires of the flesh. Much ink has been spilt. And you probably already have an idea of what you think the desires of the flesh are. And they would, they, to me, would probably be about, you know, people in a back room smoking something and doing something nefarious. I don't know what particular sin you might think of as that. But the desires of your flesh are maybe not what you normally think of in that way. Because your flesh is your ego. It's you. And so the desires of your flesh are always and, 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 and about in many variety working it out of you trying to advance you. Your own buffing. You being a little God. You winning. You. Me too. I want to shine. I want power. I would never say it like that. I, but, but I want control. I want to be the person who God says, good job, Dax. Oh, there's many people that I, that I have, have raised up, but Dax, you're special kid to me. Because of the good choices you made. The hard work you did. It doesn't have to be you and God. This is just the flesh, right? Has corrupted me, my selfness, my ego, my pride. It taints everything I touch and everything you touch. So this is a huge statement right here. Why? Because what do you think would be the logical thing that Paul might say to say, don't, do not gratify the desires of the flesh? I know what I think he'd say. Be disciplined and don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Be very focused. Be committed. Be, be like work hard and, and, and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Keep the law or you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you do God's rules, then you'll be restrained. You won't do it, right? He doesn't say that. I want to tell you, pursue righteousness and purity and goodness, and then you won't, and then you won't gratify the desires of the. No. No, he doesn't actually 
say that. Instead, here's this absolutely surprising statement. Walk by the Spirit. This is the way to not slip into gratifying the desires of the flesh. The way out for you and me is not suppression and fighting and discipline. This big conflict is happening, and it's between the Spirit and the flesh. Don't get me wrong, he lays that out there. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. All of your heart to self-buff. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So this conflict, certainly, right? Your flesh, your own self, and the Spirit. And they're not the same. They're opposed, and it's interesting that the opposition is for what reason again? Like, this should be, you should be like scratching your head if you're a Bible student to keep you from doing the things you want to do. <laughs> what does he mean? What do I want to do as a Christian? He, he, he's not saying that the conflict of the spirit and the flesh keeps you from bad sinning. He could say that. He didn't. He, he's talking about your desires and not being able to do what you would otherwise want to do. So, so, so wh what do you want to do? This is what I naturally want to do. This is what the fleshly man wants to do all the time. This is what many people who call themselves Christians say. They, they're doing what they want to do. What's keeping them... This conflict is if they get it, but if you don't get it, then you keep going. Doing what? Using the Spirit to get my flesh good. That's what I want to do. I want God, with a little help of the Holy Spirit, to let me shape me. That's what you'll want to do. I, always. I see the law. And the goodness of it. I see me and I'm not there. And I think, well, I got to get there. How do I get there? I need enablement. What's enablement? Power. Where do I get the power? Tap into the plug. What's the plug? The Holy Spirit. What does that do? Makes me sinless. What keeps me from that? This statement does. That God says through Paul. The flesh and the spirit are opposed. You cannot use the spirit to make your flesh awesome. It prevents you from doing that because all of a sudden you're like, wait, it doesn't work that way. Right? He's thinking through that you cannot use the spirit to advance your flesh. Your flesh has nothing to do with the spirit. They're opposed. So it's not talking about people in dark rooms doing despicable things. Paul is thinking about people in churches doing spiritual things. And all the time we're about ourselves looking good. Advancing, pleasing God, buffing our own reputations and works. But that, 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 that pastor, a good reputation is really valuable. Yes, it is. And I've got no reputation except Jesus. So do you. Right? This is the wonder of the cross is that we who are nothing are all of a sudden heirs of God by what? By what Jesus Christ has done. I can't do anything else. My flesh, my self-righteousness, and the Holy Spirit, they are opposed. They are opposed. This is big news. And actually, if, if you never thought this through, this is where it becomes really helpful for our lives. Walk through this with me, would you? 
because we want to mix them together. This is what I said, the gospel idea. I, I want to just mix it all together. I want to co-opt the law thinking that is the Spirit's will. The Spirit's will is to help me sin less, which is to keep the law. And what's the, what's the, let's be clear, the law is what? Love God and love people perfectly. So I think that what the Holy Spirit's doing is working in me so I can be a better lover of God, lover of people, and keep the law. I think that's the Spirit's will. And I can get it done with my flesh and call it discipline or call it spiritual formation. But it's impossible, you guys. What do I say that? Well, verses like this. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. The passage we read from Isaiah, Jesus Christ used it and applied it to the Holy Spirit. He said, come, drink of the living water. Come and drink without cost, without price. This is an amazing thing. I'm for you, says God. But you need the Spirit. You need to receive something, the Spirit. It's not receive the Spirit so you work on your flesh and become a better you. Spirit's of no help at all. Well, I said that about wrong, but didn't I? The flesh is of no help at all. Okay. You say, but, but wait just a minute. Because you've heard, right, that, that, I mean, we're flying an airplane in this life, and one, one wing of the airplane is the Holy Spirit, the other wing of the airplane is me. You know, it's not just I do nothing. That would be a one-winged airplane. You ever seen a one-winged airplane fly? Don't answer, Tapro. He could probably do it. No, here's the thing, right? The, the, the whole idea is it's not you at all. Your flesh is of no help at all. So it's the Holy Spirit, both wings, and you're on the airplane getting flown somewhere. That's the idea, right? This is really important stuff for you and me. And you might say, well, wait just a minute. There's these wonderful rules of measurement that God has given me to see how I'm doing, and it's called the law, the great and good law of God. And we lift it high. It was given by God to his people. It is amazing. Okay, well, here's the next piece to really think through. This is the promise. I'm calling it the promise. The promise of freedom. Because it's an indicative statement. It says this. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Again, you've got to take this into your heart. This is God speaking. This is not what I think. In fact, I want to change the words right away in my own heart. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I'm calling it a, a, a promise because it's a statement of fact. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It's a first-class conditional, which in the Greek means you, you could. You could say, if that's really true, it's, you could almost translate it since. Since you're led by the Spirit, because if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit. You're not under the law. You see, the focus is on you're not under the law, not, well, I wonder if you're really led by the Spirit today. That, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you have the Holy Spirit. This should really surprise you what you think the Spirit does is take you back to do the law. Now, the Holy Spirit takes you back to love God, love people better than I ever could before. Well, but I'm no longer under the law if I'm led by the Spirit. 
I think in my, in my head, what I really think it should be is if you're led by the Spirit, you fulfill the law. Don't you? If you're led by the Spirit, you fulfill the law. Like you're becoming a little Jesus. And you'll love like Jesus loved. And you'll do all the things that Jesus did. And you'll be, but that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that. He's saying the opposite. You're not under the law if you're led by the Spirit is a massive statement. Because if it was, if you're led by the Spirit, you fulfill the law, I would, I would get it. The goal of my life would be to perfect my flesh the best I can, to, to use God, to use the power of the Spirit, to make into something, to be perfect in myself, you know, like I even know what that is. But I, I, I could guess, right? Using the law. We want to be the hero. That we, we want to be, have you ever read, I've read tons, I love fantasy novels, I just love them because there are these stories about the unknown nobody who discovers hidden talents and becomes the king, wins the gal along the way, or flipped around, wins the guy, I don't, it's not gender specific, it's just, it's just the reality of, I, I want to be the, the, the uncut diamond who, who gets discovered, oh my goodness, I, look, at, look at who they are, with a little polishing, Those are fairy tales. That's not the Bible. There is a hero. His name's Jesus. He died for you. And, 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 he, and he won. Why did he win by? He, he won by people spitting on him and piercing his side and putting a crown of thorns on his head and him dying and rising from the dead and saying, you know what? You're dying too in me. And you know what the, the, the amazing message is? You'll be raised from the dead. This is an incredible biblical statement yeah and and if you're in the other camp if you're if you're caught here maybe you've never had it explained or walked through galatians you'd think well you know you'd live life trying to figure out if you're really led by the spirit or not you know i i I won't be under the law if i'm really led by the spirit but how much of me is being led by the spirit and how much of me is rebelling against the spirit and 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 is there is that the the ticket of of touching the spirit and therefore you know if you speak in tongues and you really have the spirit if you don't then you probably don't have the spirit and now you're trying to evaluate again evaluation whether or not you have this if you do that you've ignored the context that paul's given this amazing teaching in which is what it is for freedom that christ has set you free jesus christ has rescued me in the midst of my sin, it wasn't me cleaning up. It wasn't me saying, oh, now I'm golden. Now I've plugged into the power. No, Jesus saved you and rescued you and gives you the Holy Spirit. Like Ephesians says it's a seal, a guarantee. You have him. Jesus says when he went, and you know, the, the sort of main teaching that he does in John where he sits down with his disciples. He gives them this long teaching from, from chapter 13 all the way to chapter 17. And in the midst of it, he's like, it's really good that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. You have him. But I don't feel anything. It's not about you feeling. It's about what Jesus said he's done. You're free. The law has nothing to say to you in Christ. By promise, Christ sets you free. And then he gives you the spirit. And the spirit does, hear this, the spirit does what God wants done. Do you think he's hindered by you? Do you think God is unable to do what he would like done? Because you just sin too much. I've got a savior you need to meet. 
He paid for all your sin. This is really important. Do you see how this is linked to freedom? There's no, there's no conditionality. Not if you're good or then you'll be loved or, or blessed. And, and this is linked to our freedom because Christ has set us free by dying. And so we die to the law and you die to your own advancement, your own buffing, your own righteousness, your own goodness. The law declares you not enough, but you died to the law in Jesus. You're not after being big in heaven because there's not you to be big. There's us in Christ all together. Jesus Christ resurrects you and me. Jesus Christ gives us a new birth, a new life. And so we're no longer under the law. My righteousness is a gift. I don't have any of my own. I got no righteousness of my own. It's like the C.S. Lewis idea, right? He's done this. It's uh, it's co-opted by a, a band that was popular for a little bit called Sixpence, None the Richer. Have you heard of that band? So it comes out of a C.S. Lewis story where the C.S. Lewis says, well, it's, it's like take, take the father and the kid comes to him and says, hey, can I have a quarter? He said a sixpence, but you know. Dad, can I have five bucks to buy you a present? And he says, of course, kid, here's five bucks. And the kid goes and buys a present and gives it to the dad. He said, don't think when the dad receives that gift that somehow he's five dollars richer. He gave the money to go buy the gift so it was all his every... Uh, it was all, all his. It wasn't the kid's money. It's not my righteousness. It's not my stuff. As I sort of say, well, I'm going to serve God. It's not. The, the only thing that God is after from the parable of the talents, right? Remember that? How, the only thing he says, how, how do you think of him? He, he's a great father who's gifted all of us in different ways. The only worst terrible thing we do is say, he's not a good father. And he's going to demand of me the things that he's given me. Baloney. He gives you gifts. And he's given you the righteousness of Christ. And he says you're free. Okay. So the idea here is not that so you, you're given the Holy Spirit so you can listen for a still, small voice. I'm not even sure where the still and small comes from, but that's what people say. I don't know. That's not the idea that's here. It's not so you can somehow use the energy of the Spirit to go back and do the law, which is functionally what a lot of us do. And... And just so I can be clear with what the law is, it's not so you can use the energy of the Spirit to go love God better or love people better. Because that is the law. All of that is a confusion of long gospel, a denial of this verse, this promise, what? That you are no longer under the law. Because you are led by the Spirit. That's a promise. So I'm looking at people and you say, I trust Jesus. And then I know you've been given the Spirit and you're being led by the Spirit. You are. Here we are. That's a promise. Why is that good? Why why is that a good thing? Because you actually have no control. You no longer have a lens that says, you know what? If my life is going really well right now, then God really is for me. If not, I better turn things around. When I go through a different, a difficult time, when I sin, he's like, well, you know, I got to get rid of this, or I've grieved the spirit, and he's not, he's going to leave me. You know, it says that in Psalm 51, doesn't it? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Yeah, that's Old Testament. That's not indwelling, sealing the spirit. That's David, the king, where the the spirit would come on the king and empower him. That's not you. Holy Spirit never leaves you, Christian. 
He uses everything exactly like God wants. And my problem, your problem too, I can't see it very well. I don't know. I don't know when I lose my job because I was stealing money from the till and I get kicked out and I'm walking down the street and I said, man, I still have five bucks. Here, have, a, have five bucks. Guy. And, and, and the Lord had me get fired through my sin so I would be there to give five bucks to somebody on the corner. I don't know. Well, that's not how God would work. Oh, yeah? God works through crazy stuff. Upside down. You'll never know what it is. That's why when you get to heaven and they're sitting there and Jesus is like, oh, you guys, you served me so well. They're like, what are you talking about? Well, that cup of cold water that you gave to somebody. You, you, see, you see, if it, was, if it was any other thing, they'd be going like when Jesus says, oh, you served me so well. They're saying, yeah, I gave cups of cold water out every Tuesday. <laughs> no, they don't even know. They have no idea how the Spirit used them to do the things God wanted done. And so this is very important, that we don't have control. The Spirit does. And we, we, what's our job? Trust Jesus. What's the trust? He's got me. He paid for me. He's forgiven me. I'm an heir of God. I've got heaven. He's prepared a place for me. It's all over, right? But, but that means that's what I'm trying to do. And what's knocking me off of that is this but I'm not transforming. Sorry, I don't mean to make fun of that. It's a big deal. You're still a sinner. Oh, you're a saint. By promise and trust in Jesus. But if I look around and I look at my circumstances, I'll get tossed off of this. And so the reality is this is why it's so important is that we're free and our job is to trust Christ and Christ sends the Spirit and the Spirit leads you. And you might not see it much. You might see a lot. I'm not saying you can't ever see any change or God doesn't deliver. He does. God is so amazing. He loves us. That's not the point, though. The point is Jesus has you, and, and so you trust him. And, and here's, here's some results. The results will be good. Why? Because Jesus says so, and he's in charge. Okay. Big, long list of negative stuff, so let's tackle this first. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I cannot tell you how many people I've had who say, man, I struggle getting drunk. I'm not going to heaven. You've got to understand what he's saying. These are... Bad sins that all of us agree are bad. I don't know anybody that says drunkenness is awesome. I don't know anybody that says sexual immorality is good. Idolatry is fabulous. Sorcery, oh yes, please bring it on. No. This is stuff you say that are bad. So listen to what he says and be careful with what he says, right? Did you catch what he changed? He changed something. What did he change? Well, we were talking about the desires of the flesh, and now we're talking about the works of the flesh. Why is that a big deal? Because he's deliberate. Right? He's deliberate. The desires are one thing, and they lead to these works. What were the desires again? The desires were not to do these things. 
The desires were to use God as a power source to get to where I want to be. A good place. I don't know anybody who says, what I really want to do is use God's power to be a sorcerer. If you do, you're kind of so silly. What is that? I don't even know what that is, you might say. Except in a novel. Well, I really want to use the power of the Holy Spirit to be an envious person. No, I want to use the power to no longer be envious. They say I want to use with my control and my ability and my will, engage in making the right choices so that I become what is good. And here comes Paul. And he says, you do know that the works that come out of that, the, 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 the result of you acting in this way and living in this way, that sort of mixing in law and gospel together and saying I'm going to use the Spirit as a power source to get the transformed life with me in control leads to where again? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry. It, it leads nowhere good. It's all about you and yourself and what you want to get for yourself. And that's what these things are, right? There's three phrases of sexual sin that it starts with. And, and I'll tell you, that's because sexual sin is all about self-fulfillment. Beautiful sexuality in the Bible is all about fulfilling your mate. It's aimed at the other. But here we go, and this is the problem with things like pornography. It's not that you're committing adultery. The problem is you're training yourself in self-fulfillment. That's horrible. You, building up you, me getting the things I want. That's the very problem, and that's where this leads. That's what he's talking about, right? There's, there's these two pieces of self-worship, which idolatry, right? Worship of the creature, worshiping health or parenting or, or worshiping a wood stick. I don't care. Eventually, it says the prophecy, you're worshiping yourself because you're making the idol and then you're worshiping it. You see, so that's what we do. When we start to focus on ourselves, we suddenly become, we make the thing that we want to get and think, I need to be there. So then it's about how well are you parenting? How well are you being a spouse? How well are you doing? And my focus becomes on the thing, the, the created thing that I'm going to shape and agree with. And it's called idolatry. He keeps going, right? We don't have to detail out each one, but I'm telling you, there's worshiping yourself, sorcery, which is manipulation and control of the elements in Paul's day. Control of the elements. By who? By me. Why? Oh, for the very best purposes. I will shape things to get to the place I want to go. And the surprising thing isn't that sorcery is bad. The surprising thing that Paul's getting after for you and me is that your desire to go the right way is going to lead to horror. As Martin Luther, who said it in the Heidelberg Confession, he said, he said that there in the Heidelberg Disputation, he said, he said, yes, our very best works are damnable sins. Because I'm deciding and evaluating the good. Instead, there's another way that he presents here, which is by the Spirit. Paul stands all this stuff on their head, right? There's eight terms of discord here, which is self-orientation. means that, that people or other people are either your tools or, or your objects of competition. 
they're your tools. By that I say that I'll use them to prove how good I am and I'll bless them and do good things for them. Or they're your competition because you want to show that you're better than them. That, that this slips into this idea that, that we can't get away from the flesh. That I'll get empowered by God and I'll be more disciplined and I'll be better so that I will show how good I am. Well, versus who? Jesus isn't around, you know, I can't see him. You are around. I think I'll compare myself to you. That's the flesh, right? It leads to envy. It leads to dissensions, rivalries, anger, because when people go back and forth, you get defensive. That's what he's talking about. Who will be greatest in heaven? Jesus shut that down pretty quick. Then there's the unconstrained moral norms that ends with, right? Self-pleasure, revelry, letting loose. I finally deserve it, you know? Escaping into yourself with drunkenness, dumbing things down, and it's all around, right? When, we, when we're focused on ourselves and the law is so high, eventually I start dumbing it down. Eventually I start going, well, you know, or, or I get so numbed because I just got to get away from this constant pressure and it leads here. It, it's, it's, not that it, it's not that you want that. It's that this is where your striving leads. And you're not, not, not to all of them like, oh, well, if you're after yourself, you'll have these 15 horrible things that happen to you. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying it's so surprising that you think you're doing good and it ends up in evil. One of these will happen because that's who we are. Okay, so that's, that's the one side. All of it's flesh. The desire of the flesh is towards self-improvement, self-aggrandizement, self-righteousness, winning yourself, attaining yourself, proving yourself, transforming yourself. These are all ways that we get in there with ourselves. We try and sanctify the flesh. But they're opposed. So there's the conflict, which is spirit and flesh. There's the promise that you're not under the law. And there's, there's this, which is the fruit that comes. And so there's the bad fruit from you. And then there's the good fruit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Okay, and I just, again, I, I don't have time to delve in each one. We might take another week and delve more. But let me make sure you hear. Fruit, singular. The Spirit is producing it, not you. So the Spirit, who's in control, is doing what He wants in your life to produce what the Spirit wants to produce. And there's a list here, but it's not like a lot of people say, well, because it's singular, love is the main thing. No, it, it, it's that there's a singular fruit, which is the work of the Spirit in you. And it comes out in a variety of ways, just like the, the, the immorality list. He's doing what he wants. You may not even see it, right? That's the idea. Hugely important that it's not dependent on you. It's not only if you somehow surrender to it. What do you mean? The surrender that I've done is trusting Jesus, turning from self-salvation to salvation by Jesus. And then I get the Spirit, and the Spirit does what he wants. In fact, John 3 says he blows you like the wind. You don't know where you're going to go. God is producing what he wants. What does he want? Well, this is amazing, right? And here's the thing. All of these, I don't know anybody. If you're one of these people, come up and talk to me. I need to at least know one person who thinks any of these things are bad. The Holy Spirit produces good because love is good. Right? 
that, that, that's amazing. Oh, joy. The Holy Spirit gives me an abiding joy. The Holy Spirit brings peace. He's paid it all, you know. If the Holy Spirit speaks the truth of Jesus into my heart, and I, and I grab it, and I get it, and I start to go, wow, Jesus has given me this from God, and I get peace, that's a fruit of the Spirit. If it's joy, and, and, and it's like, wow, he saved me, that's a fruit of the Spirit. If it's patience, like he's coming back, he, he, he's for me, this is, this is going to end, and I'll be with him forever, that's a fruit of the Spirit. It's if there's righteousness that's given to me, that's goodness, right? That, that's, that's a fruit of the Spirit, not me. If it's kindness, oh, he's so kind towards me all the time, and I taste it, and I see it, and I get it. That's from the Spirit. That, that's amazing. And, and all of these things, right? Self-control, restraint. I don't need to impose myself on anybody. I, I, I actually have the best gift ever. So these don't become things I'm striving towards. Like some, I like them all. I want them all. Don't get me wrong. You say, Dax, are these good things to have? Yes! But they're here as a demonstration that what the Holy Spirit is doing in you is good stuff. Good stuff. He's doing it. It's his fruit. It's not under the law. The law has nothing to say to this. The law does not produce a transformed life. The Holy Spirit will produce it apart from the law. That's apart from measuring. This is amazing. This is the new reality. And the reality is we get this. How do we get it again? By trusting Jesus. Okay. We're, we're almost done. Let me do the last couple verses, and we may come back to these to go a little bit more in depth. But here it is. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Actually, I skipped a verse tonight. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is kind of important because you need to see that this is what it means to be a Christian. He's just, he's just stating a fact of what's already happened. He's not saying, well, if you're really a Christian, then you'll stop doing the bad things. No, that's not. No, he's saying, this is what you've done. You belong to Jesus. It means you have crucified, past tense, the flesh with its passions and desires. Why? Because the flesh was about you attaining salvation by you. I'm getting better to please God. I'm getting everything for God. And then, and then what he's... Paul is speaking against is you thinking I'm going to stay on that track and just grab some power, some ability from the Holy Spirit and stay on that track of me pleasing God by being good he's destroyed it and he says because I know this, you've already crucified this whole path and that's what repentance is, right? I mean when I repent, I turn from me Working on me. I did this all the time. I tried to be the best person I could be. I'm not, and I wasn't even a Marine. There, there was. I was just doing all I could do. And, but then I turned from that to receive Jesus and what Jesus did for me. That's changing your mind. And so there I repented. So there I crucified the flesh. Why? Because that flesh is dead. There's no hope for me over there. That's what he's saying. And so he says, then I belong to Christ. My passions and desires are done. I may still feel them because I'm a torn person and my flesh, oh man, drowned, but he's a really good swimmer. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It's like, yeah, start seeing life this way. He ends with this, right? We live by the Spirit. That's the truth. 
Our life is by the Spirit. The flesh is no help at all. And so then I said, the Spirit's also your life, and He's got you. The Spirit's also in your life. He's got you. I start seeing you. I don't start envying when all of a sudden God blesses you with amazing success or God blesses you with some spiritual wonderful high. I'm not like, well, I wish you would do that for me. I best not be praying enough. It's about the Spirit. There's all sorts of room for counsel on how to get by in the world, how to be a good parent, how to be a good spouse, what, what, how you have couch time. All those things are fine. But the reality is everything that matters is by the Spirit. And He's got you. Drop the guilt. Drop the shame. Your sin is forgiven. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you, the love of Christ for you, the joy that He has over finding you, the peace and patience that He brings. It's absolutely fabulous. And it's the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the great turn today. This is the axe at the root of the tree for many of us. This is when you say, I'm all in on this trusting Jesus thing. Because trust is trust that he has me and is producing his fruit in me as he said. He is, you know. I, we live not by law, not by precept, not by sin management, but only by the promise of Jesus for me, for you. His spirit bears fruit in us. It is not by sight, but by promise, by word delivered. And the fruit is marvelous. So come away from yourself, will you? Receive this absolutely incredible Christ. As he said, and we'll end here, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Would you take it in? The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's all about Jesus, and that's great cause for rejoicing.